0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Coffee Break. You're listening to WZEA 107.1 FM, The Sea, broadcasting live from the oceanfront in beautiful Irman Beach, Florida, live streaming worldwide at www.thesea.fm. W-Z-E-A, where we give voice to animals, and not just to me, but also our four-legged and feathered friends, too. I'm your host, Jack Flash, but you can call me the Flash Man. It's time to pour a cup, relax, and take a coffee break on this fabulous Friday morning, folks. It's, um, the 7th of July. July, I wish it was the 7th of July. Life is streaming by in a big hurry. Uh, you know, I was just thinking about a doctor's appointment I was supposed to have back in July that got canceled. Um, and it's August 7th, of course, and I had one yesterday. And we're going to talk about that a minute, uh, in a minute because I think uh, a lot of um, our listeners out there can relate to the fact that the doctors are becoming an integral part of our lives. You know, the older we get, the, the more um, intimate that relationship is, or at least it should be. Um, and finding a, a good doctor is, uh, <laughs> well, in my experience, very difficult, but I am a very difficult patient. But... Um, I found one yesterday. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But first, of course, uh, the weather is beautiful this morning as it was yesterday morning until it devolved into a thunderstorm slinging mess, which almost wiped out my tennis game. But I managed to get the game in um, between uh, raindrops at at the end. So today could be very much the same because uh, it's heading up into the 90s again. The heat index is going to be high. Be sure to hydrate no caffeine or alcohol those are diuretics you don't want to take it in and then leak it back out again and of course use that sunblock you don't want to be scraping off your melanomas with a potato peeler at some point in the future um up in timmins ontario canada where our good friends Alorian and stewart are um hanging out just uh, down the street from chris kringle who's um uh they told me they saw him out in the garage um sharpening up the runners on his sleigh um 59 degrees up there in Timmins this morning, heading up to 81, a sunny day in Timmins for a change, and way out in Parker, Arizona, where our good friend of the show, Faye, uh, is hanging out uh, this morning, 76 degrees, heading up to 108, with a sunny day in Parker, so going to be um, no different uh, in Parker from now to the, in the foreseeable future, like plus 100, all the way to forever, I guess. Um, now, of course, it's Fitness Friday, and what better way to begin a Fitness Friday show, um, notwithstanding the fact that for the last day, um, the last Friday, you know, we have our one-hour expanded, one-hour show on Friday, and for the last time in the foreseeable future, my co-host, uh, my Gracie Allen to my George Burns, my lovely wife, Joni, who's a teacher at Pathways Elementary.
1: Go Patriots!
0: Is here to uh, toss in her two cents worth. Um, that's probably an a understatement. It's got to be at least a nickel. But um, she's uh, going to... Or a dollar. Oh Well, yeah, but we know how the the, 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 the the dollar has been devalued. So we're right back down to a nickel. So, uh, but she's going to be here all kidding aside to lend her expertise because we're going to be talking about the school system. Well, the schools in general and the school system specifically here in Volusia County uh, to which she can speak with some expertise since she's been teaching here. How long now?
1: Uh, this will be 15
0: years yep so 15 years here and how long all together in, uh, in uh, your...
1: 30 this will be my 38th year
0: Wow that's uh, well if she doesn't have any gravitas and or expertise and nobody does and she's gonna uh, lend us some of it to us this morning um, and we're going to be talking about that uh, later but first we're going to get to the you know this whole doctor thing I, I talked to you about notwithstanding the fact that I think that they are listening in over at the doctor's office this morning and they've got more things and better things to do uh, than to sit around waiting for me to mention them. So I want to do it right at the top of the show here. Um, the office is right up there on Granada um, at 10.50, I think it is. Um, but you can look it right up. It's Advent, Advent Health Central Florida Division North. Uh, an awful long name to, um, to describe what I found to be a, a great operation. You know, I've been in the medical business, shall we say, for an awful lot of years, um, most of them, fortunately, as a provider. But now that I'm a consumer, you know, it's difficult to please me because I know what's good and what's not. And um, and let me just say, in my experience, there's a lot of -of middle-of-the-road stuff. There's a few not-so-hot, and then there's some that are really great. And I ran into one of those yesterday, Dr. Angelique Alvarez. And her able bodied staff, Roz, who uh, takes care of all the stuff in the front of the office, and Jessica, who's the uh, nurse who can. And I may have just demoted her because she could be a PA, and, I, and I'm thinking she probably is, so pardon that demotion. Um, but uh, they are all a well um, oiled group, I should say. You know, it came in, you know, it's the first visit, you know, and it's uh, the first visits are a lot like an interview, it can go south in a heartbeat. Um, so um, you know, I didn't sit around long. I, I went straight in the back. And Jessica came back, took a history. You know, these first uh, um, appointments are, um, you know, it's a lot of information to convey. Uh, but she asked great questions, and um, it was um, it was uh, a very pleasant experience. And and see, that's the key. You want to your your visit to the doctor's office to be a pleasant experience. No one goes to the doctor's office because they're like have nothing better to do or you know it's the highlight of their day. I mean there's a reason you go and typically you know if if it's not just to uh you know a physical or or, or some kind of a checkup um which is bad enough but you've got some com- kind of a malady that uh, needs to to be addressed and it's never pleasant, you know? I mean who wants to go to the doctor's office? So you want a doctor that if you have to go see them, that you feel comfortable and positive about the experience. And that's um, exactly what uh, they conveyed to me and the, the, the nature of the um, ambiance, shall we say, um, that I found there. Um, the doctor came in after um, Jessica had taken care of business and spent in what I considered to be an inordinate amount of time with me um, and asked, questions and was very upbeat and positive. And, you know, she was wearing a mask, but I could see it in the eyes, that she was smiling almost all the whole time. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's what you want. You want somebody uh, who will interact. And she answered all my questions. She provided a lot of guidance. Um, she wasn't one of those people who were uh, pedantic or dictatorial. She was very, very... Now you know I I I I'm only extrapolating from that experience that she's a great physician clinician as well. It just seems to me that she is. Um, and and on top of that, you know, before I you know left, the, the... oh man, this is. I I hope she's if she's listening. I hope she doesn't take umbrage to this. Um, so I'm standing in the waiting room after the exam, um, and another patient was there who was being asked to come to the back for her appointment. So um, she had to come in between us. Well, you know, we're maintaining that six feet of separation, of course, um, and we're all wearing masks. And uh, so uh, uh, Dr. Um, Alvarez took a step back in order to provide the distance for the patient to walk through. And her the back of her leg contacted the table, the coffee table was there, and she sat down on the coffee table as opposed to flopped on the floor, which I would have done, and so I'm, and I'm, I said, "Well, that was a very graceful move." And she said, "Well, I used to be a gymnast." So I just want to say, Dr. Alvarez, um, that was a perfect ten routine that you performed there. I must say that was quite impressive. And um, I have an appointment coming up uh, again in October. Uh, so um, you know, I'm not suggesting everybody uh, you know hang out in front of the um, in front of the doctor's office to get. A um, autograph, but I I'm going back in October, and I'm looking forward to it. So uh, all in all, that was a very positive experience. Uh, So it's uh, Dr. Angelique Alvarez on Granada. It's Advent Health Central Florida Division North. Roz and Jessica, thank you very much for a very pleasant experience. I was on my best behavior, of course. I just want to warn you, so you know next time I come back. all bets are off, but anyway, I, I want to wish them a great uh, day, and of course, to everyone listening. If you're in need of a personal physician, you know this was um, uh, the, this is with my interview, I guess, for to get a, a new personal physician. If you're in need of one, I, I'd say check uh, check out Dr. Angelique Alvarez there um, and Roz and Jessica. You can't beat that. So, um, on to today's show. You know. Unless you've been hiding out under a rock, and and believe me, I I wouldn't blame you if you have been because with the state of the Union, as it were, you know, with the things that are going on in the world and in our country today, perhaps, uh, you know, climbing in a hole and pulling a rock over top of it might be the best uh, way to go about it. But, of course, um, the little children can't do that because, uh, you know, soon they'll be heading back to school. Now, I remember back when I was a kid, my father was a teacher, and um, he would uh, take me to school every day, and we'd pile in the car, you know, and in the first of the year, you know, the first day, you know, I'm all bummed out, you know, he's happy to get back to work, and and I'm not. Um, You know, he'd be singing all the way, I mean, it just drove me nuts. He'd be singing that, school day, school day, dear old golden, I mean, to tell you, I was so sick and tired of hearing that. Um, But today... It's Alice Cooper. School's out forever. I mean, we're, are we ever going to go back to school? I don't know. Um, what it looks like, the prevailing winds that are blowing, um, say no. I mean, um, in, in many places. I'm not talking about Belugia County. I'm going to bring it home to Belusia County in a minute when I drag my lovely wife kicking and screaming into this conversation. Because, of course, she has to, you know, be a bit um, judicious or political in her commentaries, considering the fact that she's a member of and slash represents the Volusia County Public Schools, which, in my opinion, are way better than many. Um, and they are actually going to go back to school, at least. So, unlike some other places, you know, there's an old saying that an ill wind, it's an ill wind that blows no good. And, you know, you you think, what what the heck does that mean? Well, what it means is... Even the most negative situations benefit someone. So let's consider, um, you know, all the pain and suffering and death brought um, on a whole lot of people, almost all of us, by this coronavirus. So how does that benefit anyone? Well, um, corporations, big corporations, um, they're consolidating their control. Um, you know, small businesses are closing everywhere. You know, if they haven't been burned out and looted, then they are um, financially ruined because the Lockdowns has killed the business and they ran out of money. And now, you know, it's estimated that a third of the businesses that closed will not open again. So that's an, an incredible number of people who um who are out of work. But so where all those customers go? Well, they go to these large chain outlets, you know, they the big stores, you know, the Walmarts and the Targets and such. Um, and so the big corporations, um, they're benefiting from this. And you don't have to take it from me, folks. I mean, it's counterintuitive, but uh, consider the fact that we're still sitting at about ten percent unemployment in the nation, and it was as high as twenty three percent just a couple of months ago. So we're going in the right direction on that. But um, the fact is that um, the businesses that are closing, you would, and the lockdowns and the people off their jobs, you would think the stock market would have tanked, and and it did for a, a, a bit. It went from almost thirty thousand points to about 18,000 points and you know the fear was well it's just keep on going and you know and it'll be the great depression all over again but it bounced back well it bounced back incredibly the the nasdaq is at an all-time high yesterday close the s p is very close to an all-time high and the dow's lagging a little bit but all in positive territory now um and uh well, well geez it doesn't make sense all these businesses closed, the economy wrecked, and and the stock market is doing well. Well, that's big companies, folks. They're doing fine. You know, the, the little store on the corner is closed, and you'll never see those people again. But the, where you're taking your business, up the street to the big stores, they're doing just fine. So, uh, you know, big corporations are benefiting from this coronavirus. Um, certainly um, the politicians are doing well. Um, you know, they are uh, consolidating their power. Um, the, I mean, for instance, uh, New York uh, City, you know, they have uh, not suffered a, quote, spike or a surge in coronavirus cases of late, whereas, you know, the, the Southwest and Florida, of course, too, um, although we're on the other side of that again now, which is a positive thing, but they've uh, suffered um, a spike, but not in New York. Well, the the mayor of New York has decided that he's going to... Remember that movie, you know, Escape from New York? You know, you couldn't get out. Um, well, now it's the opposite. Uh, the mayor, uh, uh, Warren Wilhelm, that's his real name. He changed his name to Bill de Blasio for political expedience. His real birth name, Warren Wilhelm. Um, I like to call him Kaiser Wilhelm because he has uh, now uh, initiated a... Um, armed border control, essentially, uh, crew to um, track everyone who comes into the city, requiring everyone to uh, quarantine for 14 days. Yeah, that's going to bring a lot of business and tourism into town. Uh, Meanwhile, um, the governor of New York is pleading with the rich to come back to town uh, because they all got the hell out of Dodge when they could, and, you know, the rich are the most mobile people on planet Earth. Uh, You know, they're not locked into some you know, apartment up in the in, in the Bronx for which you're paying $2,500 a month for eight, 18 square feet. They can go anywhere they want. They've left town, so the tax base has fled New York. And on top of that, um, according to United uh, Van Lines, a moving company, um, their business is up 95% over this time last year, meaning everybody's moving out of New York City. At the same time, the, the governor is saying, please come back. In fact, the governor said, I'll come over for dinner. We'll go out for a drink. And I'm thinking to myself, now, wait a minute. Go out for a drink? I thought all the bars were closed. But Well, maybe the mayor, I mean the the governor, they'll they'll open up the bars for the governor. So um, the politicians all around the country are like, uh, you know, uh, exercising their uh, newfound power, although these powers that they are exercising are ones they made up on the fly because much of the things that they are doing is, Absolutely uh, unconstitutional that 's the funny thing about uh, about this uh, whole situation you know I, I forgot to mention that the mayor of um, Los Angeles um, Garcetti is uh threatening to shut off the power and water of people who don 't comply businesses and homes even that uh, that don 't comply with his uh, edicts um, you know the, the funny thing is they're arresting business owners um they're going to throw you in jail for if you don't wear a mask. Um, and the politicians are consolidating their power, but they're doing it over time. You know, what seems and feels like it might be draconian and unacceptable in the moment begins to feel kind of normal over time, um, you know. And so, uh, you know, we're back to the teachers' unions. Um, they're as pol- political as politicians ever were ever were or are, um, but it's got nothing to do with educating Um, the the little children. Um, You know, teachers' unions uh, are... uh, And and when I say teachers' unions, I don't necessarily mean teachers themselves, uh, but the teachers' unions are flat-out refusing to um, provide our children an education in 2020. They don't want to go back to school. Um, Now, uh, one could argue on the other side of that coin, that the actual education uh, provided in the public school system is already marginal at best, you know, in Detroit, uh, Michigan, um, recently a study was made on graduates. Now I'm talking about graduates of Detroit public school systems. Ninety-four um, percent failed reading comprehension test, and ninety-six percent failed math um, test. So they're they got their diploma, of course, but they have no idea what the heck it means. C- can't read it. Um, uh, and not to be outdone, Baltimore. Um, The public school system in Baltimore, um, they are are no better. Uh, They recently, a a sample of six Baltimore City um, public schools, um, five of them high schools and one of them middle school. Uh, You know how many people scored proficient in math and reading? Of all of the students in all six of those schools, zero. Not a single student scored proficient in math or reading. It's estimated that of the 600,000 residents of Baltimore, 200,000, one-third of the citizens of the city of Baltimore are functionally illiterate. Um, all of them victims of the public school system. So I'm not expecting it to get any better soon, but it's not going to get better at all if they don't ever go back to school. These schools, uh, uh, they, the teachers' unions, say they want them to remain closed until their demands are met. Well, now, so what are their demands? What... More school supplies, you know, more uh, more efficient, uh, you know, education curricula. Uh, what, what would they want? Positive, uh, you know, better lunches. Uh, what? What do they want for the little kill children? Nothing. They couldn't care less about the little children. In these big cities, the demands are not related to better educating the children at all. Uh, for instance, in Los Angeles County, uh, out in California, of course, the Los Angeles County School um. Union, a 35,000-member strong school union demands these things. Defund the police. They want Medicare for all. They want a new wealth tax on the rich. And they want a moratorium on new charter schools. Imagine that. Charter schools. They don't want anything to do with charter schools, which are places where children can actually get a better education. No. None of that. You know, none of those things can be met. None of those demands. You know, the... The mayor of Los Angeles has already defunded their um, police department by nearly $1 billion. That's $1,000 million that they have taken away from the police department. Yeah, that's going to really augur well for public safety, I can assure you. But the the mayor of, uh, of um, Los Angeles can't implement uh, Medicare for all. He, he can't... Um, Pass a wealth tax, you know? I mean, he can't proclaim or, or decree anything. You know, there's still a political process, although that's getting less and less uh, reliable as the days go on. But as, as I said, that's got nothing to do with educating children um, and, and not to be outdone in New York City where they're demanding basically the same stuff. They're also saying, the school, uh, the teachers' unions in New York, Um, they've added to that list of demands that they're not going to reopen until there's been 14 straight days of no new coronavirus cases. Now, let me get this straight. They're not going to open schools until there's been two straight weeks where a single person has tested positive for the coronavirus in New York City. Uh, That means that New York City public schools will never again, ever open. Because, you know, just yesterday there were 703 new cases of the coronavirus in New York City. So when do you think that's going to get down to zero, folks? Ever? I don't know. Maybe in... Well, uh, I don't know. You just can't say. But no time soon. Um, so uh, let's bring it home. You know, Carl, my long-suffering producer, um, who um, is uh, long-suffering notwithstanding the fact that he's... Um, Got to listen to me often uh, without uh, pitching a word in edgewise, but now he's trying to get our broadcast uh, arm of the station back up after we suffered damage down at the transmitter site. And right now we're on live stream only, I think, as of this morning. Uh, We're going to try to get that broadcast arm up uh, soon, but he's working on that. But he always tells me to keep it um, local because, as they say, all politics are local. But, you know, we live in a community here, Ormond Beach, Daytona, you know, the, the environs thereof. Um, and we have issues of our own to contend with, notwithstanding the stuff that's going on um, nationwide. So, bringing it home, which is one of the reasons I have my resident expert here today, to talk about uh, what is uh, on tap ahead, what awaits um, the uh, public school attendees, the students, and their families in Volusia County. Um, Coming up. Now, I think you're back to school on next Friday, right? Tuesday.
1: On Tuesday, Tuesday the 11th, yes. Oh, so but I'll... I want to say, I have not gotten in there and gotten all the official information yet, so I am speaking from my own personal knowledge and experience, not as a representative of Volusia County Schools. Well, I didn't bring you, I you do work in here there.
0: as a representative. <laughs> I brought you in here as a teacher who has dedicated 38 years of her life to the education of the little kitties notwithstanding the thirty-seven years of your life you dedicated to the bigger kid, which is me,
1: mm. um, much more challenging task.
0: Yeah, see, you're you're great in the classroom, but you, it's an epic fail when you come home because you know that behavior modification stuff doesn't. Well, work Well, we're on still me. together,
1: so there we go.
0: Yeah, but that's the a, a factor of one hundred. Well, ninety-nine point nine percent to your patients, not not to any any We agree on that. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> but you know so. So, yeah, I'm not asking you to speak for the Volusia County Public Schools. I'm not asking you to speak for Pathways Elementary. I'm not even asking for you to speak um, as um, um, an authorized um, representative of anything of an organizational sense. What I want you to relate to me and to our listeners is the sense of... um, Because you've been in contact... I mean, you spent three months of the last school year... Um, teaching these kids on the phone, I mean, well, you on know, the computer, on, on the right. computer, Zoom,
1: Teams, yeah. right?
0: So you, but that was after you had created the relationship in the classroom with these kids for the first three, right? That's four fair
1: You've got to develop a relationship. So you had the
0: relationship, mm-hmm. and you had the relationship with the families,
1: right?
0: Uh, some of those kids are coming back uh, again this year, uh, you know, in your class, but others are coming in new, brand new, with mm-hmm. new parents. You have no relationship whatsoever for them, for, for, uh, yes. with them yet established. Uh, but in the course of the time that you were teaching online and then through the summer, you've kept in contact with the students.
1: Many, many of, them. of them, yes, many um, of them.
0: So you get adrift from them, from the, from the kids, of course. Uh, mind you, your kids are diminutive. They're, yes. they're little children.
1: Many you know. of them are entering kindergarten. Tell
0: everybody once again, because not everybody listens to the show, can you believe it? Not everybody listens to the show every week, so um, they may not know what your classroom um, consists of vis-a-vis the uh, the students. I
1: teach a classroom called um, Blended Pre-K, and it's half my classroom. Well, I won't even say half. Some of my children are VPK students, Voluntary Pre-K, which are children the year before they go to kindergarten, and that is state-funded. And then I also have... Um, Eight or nine, depending on how many I get. Children with with an IEP, which is uh, considered a child with a disability, IEP meaning, individualized education plan, and that qualifies them for services for children with a disability. And a, that's a federal mandate. That's a federal. That's federally funded. Yes. So
0: half your class so, is not mandatory, but the other half is.
1: Well, none of it's mandatory. Well, mandatory Three as
0: in the federal government uh, funds you know, it. Is is um. 2 to 22, right? Is that? Right,
1: 2 to 22 is what the IDEA, yes. IDEA. We also have something before Part C is for children. Well, birth, don't get too far to three. in the right. weeds. Okay. The, the is- but also, in addition to that, I have three-year-olds who, my um, VPK students and my three-year-olds, the children in my classroom without an IEP, without an identified disability, are employees of Volusia County Schools children. So if they're three, they pay for the full program. So they're
0: that, and they pay the freight on that. Right, mean, that's they do. not free.
1: Right. And the VPK students pay half of that because they aren't funded for the full day. They're only funded for three hours. But
0: boiling all of the politics <laughs> and all of the machinations attended there too, off of that, you've got three, four, and sometimes Five. five-year-old well,
1: they all turn most kids of-
0: in your classroom. Um, and this is their first experience or brush. Certainly the their first school public school, school experience. experience. So
1: um, Many so of them have been in child care centers, but they're the first public school Oh, centers. by
0: the way, uh, how many child care centers closed down and how long did they close down in all of Pelusion uh, County in the course of this coronavirus?
1: Well, I don't know the answer to that, but I know anyone I talk to says, oh, well, we're open. We've been open. I know they've at least been open since May. Some of them may, I don't know, but some of them may have closed down, but they've all been open since May. Well, I can add this to and the mix. And I have talked to two teachers at, from two different child care centers, and they both said they haven't had any issues. Well, and I can add this to
0: the mix because I talked with um, Jessica, the pi I'm going to call her the PA, at the doctor's office yesterday, who has a, 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 someone, a kid in uh, Balucha County Schools, and she said that the daycare centers have been open. Childcare. Uh, or her, child care center. Mm-hmm. Her, at least hers has been open the whole time.
1: Oh, throughout,
0: okay. Yeah, so to no negative effect whatsoever, Mm -hmm. nobody's caught this coronavirus off of it.
1: Well, I have parents, upcoming parents of students this year who have said, I don't know 100% sure if I'm even going to put them in your class because I want to find out what the schools are going to do, and I don't know yet. Uh, Hopefully, I'll find out next week. But she says if the schools are going to shut down as soon as somebody has a virus in the school, she goes, I won't have anywhere for my child, and I'm a teacher, and I have got to have my child somewhere because I can't teach at home. And if I have, so have to a, make
0: other arrangements, right?
1: because if I ha, if I keep her in the child care center, I know they're not going to close. So I, I'm kind of on the fence as to how many kids I'm going to have when I go back, because I don't know how many of the employees are going to feel that way.
0: But all of that aside, what is the prevailing sense from the the kids and and the families of the kids um, as far as Coming back to school or not goes. What's your take on that?
1: Everybody wants to go back to school. The now, kids now want to go back to school. And the families want their kids in school. Of course, everybody says, I want them back in school. I want them to go to school. That's the way they learn best. That's what they need to do. Of course, there's always the dot, 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 but I want it to be safe. Well, but the first thought is, I want them in school.
0: And of course, they're making every effort to, to provide that. Yes, Volusia County is doing so, a I mean, good job you with that. You've got to throw Fallujah County props that they're really busting their chops to ensure that... The, the least restrictive environment and when i say least restrictive it, usually that applies to something else but as it applies to this restrictive meaning they're not going to um they're going to make it as as difficult as possible for any viral transmission yes
1: mm-hmm. yeah they're doing a really good job preparing i know our custodian mr john is working like crazy and he has said nobody come in this school i want this school absolutely 100 ready precautions are going to go in we have to get our temperature taken every day before we pass through the front office masks I think masks are when we're outside of our classroom, I believe, while we're in our classroom. But we're not going to have the opportunity to leave our classrooms very often, I don't believe. But I can't... Next week, I'll have a lot more answers about that. Well, yeah, next week... I'll fill you in. You can fill your audience in. Yeah, you'll have to
0: fill me in on it. So, um, now, okay, so that's the prevailing um, sense of it. What's your personal sense of it?
1: Well, I'm ready to go back to work. I mean, I want to be safe. I don't want to bring any... I don't want to catch anything and bring it home to you, but I'm, you know... Well, that would be
0: one way to get rid of me.
1: I think the county you know, is doing a great job in getting it ready for
0: so us. are you feeling trepidatious? Are you feeling optimistic? What adjective would you describe to your feeling when it uh, uh, attached to going back to school?
1: You know, I think it's kind of like every year. I'm always excited to go back to school. I'm always really excited to go back and meet new kids. I happened to met one of my new kids last week at the playground. Because I had his older sister and I met the two of them. I just loved him already and I can't wait to meet the new kids. I'm, I'm really excited.
0: So I'm, I'm going to extrapolate from that to and apply that my impression or at least my opinion. You know, of course, opinions are based not necessarily on fact and knowledge. So it may be a misguided opinion. But I'm going to attach that to the rest of teachers nationwide and say most of them. Want to go back to work?
1: Well, I will say even the teachers that I know. I have a couple of friends who have underlying health conditions. They have a lot of trepidation. They're very worried about going back, but they really want to go back. So, um, and they are going back. I mean, the students aren't coming back in Volusia County till August thirty first, and we're all going back next week. We've already gotten our agenda for the next few weeks. We have got. A lot of training on online learning and lots of training on working in on teams. Teams meaning the format. Right now, the three
0: options available. So uh, is Florida virtual, right?
1: Florida virtual, which is a hundred percent student self-paced. You can access it when you want to on the weekends, whatever.
0: So you don't have to go to school. Right. I mean, you you don't have, have a teacher, but your teacher
1: could be in Jacksonville. Right. Right.
0: So this is. Like, um, online, probably the worst possible way to provide an education in the sense that you don't have that relationship with a teacher that is in your face, essentially, six feet of separation today, but, you know, right there in the classroom, you you, you don't create that
1: relationship. Right, and that's not available to my students, but K-12 it is. Right, so, and then the other is... Well, regular old brick-and-mortar school come back in. Right. And then they had the one that I don't know much about as of yet is called Volusia Live, and it's real-time in-the-classroom education. You're accessing the same curriculum with the teacher you but might have if you went to that school. The teacher's
0: in the classroom, but the kids are home.
1: Yes. Right.
0: So it's basically a variation of the same theme that you were operating all off of. For the last three months of the school year where?
1: I don't think so. No. Because they're in the classroom and...
0: No, but regardless of the venue that you happen to oh, be Oh, for there, the children, The yes. children are still at home. Right. So it requires someone at home to help them with... I mean, your kids, Getting three online, and four or five years well, old, they can't be home alone doing right. this. Right, no. The parent right. has to be there. Sure.
1: They'll, yeah, to make sure the kid gets online and, and if they need help with anything, because I'm sure they'll have assignments and then there'll be downtime and... You know, because at school the class has got to go to have lunch and have whatever else they have, and I don't, I don't know right. a lot I about know. it I yet. I'm
0: not asking you to get to the specificity of the situation. You know, it's an evolutionary sense. You know, Fairfax County, Northern Virginia, uh, the most affluent, uh, largest school system in the country, uh, their virtual classrooms in the last three months of the school year, in a word, wa- were?
1: My word was abysmal, but they're not going back.
0: No, I of mean, course. they're so going to
1: be learning online. So they're for going to the have to try quarter. it again. Yes.
0: Virtual or home, you know, at home. Now, okay, so you're a little... Let, let's just broaden it out a bit and, and then um, take it to a more national level. And if you're relying on students to be online, right? Right. And which means they have to be at home with the Wi-Fi connection, right, they have to have with the technology. equipment in order to do it. Who gets hurt the most?
1: The kid.
0: Yeah, but which kids?
1: The children who don't have access. The kids who can't afford. Now, which kids are those typically? Those Minority are minorities. Those often. are kids
0: in inner-city schools that are failing to begin with, and they're the ones who are getting a short shrift on this. And because of that, the whole idea that it's all about the kids that... Uh, that the. Uh, It just goes straight to you-know-where because it is not about the kids. If, If the people, the children harmed the most by what the teachers' unions demand are the kids in minority neighborhoods that are already beset by poor public education as witnessed by detroit and baltimore which is just the microcosm of the public school system and big cities nationwide it completely obviates their message it's the absolute opposite of what they say they want to do
1: and what they are delivering is disaster. It's not fair and equitable at all. It's not equitable. The haves and the have-nots, and you're just creating a larger divide between the haves and the have-nots. So
0: all part. of these uh, social justice warriors out there screaming about equality and uh, you know a uh, um, and bringing um, the uh, the opportunity to the disadvantaged and the disenfranchised, and you know spreading the wealth at all—that's baloney. <laughs> Because in this situation, that's the opposite of what they're doing. And they seem to be just fine with it, right. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not dragging you into that because I know you... you but,
1: I have but, opinions, but yes, you're not dragging me into that.
0: <laughs> but I'm going to segue that straight out of the teachers' unions because the current climate elsewhere in society is pretty much the same way. You know, we have all these extremists and radicals and anarchists running around out there. And, and frankly, you know, I'm going to have to throw into that mix the politicians... And the media, because, uh, and not just Democrats, but Republicans too, because um, these people running wild in the streets are emboldened by a total lack of control or pushback um, by the powers that be. Now, the police, you know, they, they've they been hamstrung. Um, they've been told by their mayors that they can't defend buildings or they can't police like police are supposed to do. They can't use, um, uh, you know, non-lethal, let alone lethal uh, forms of uh, controlling a crowd. You know, they can no longer in many places use tear gas or rubber bullets or whatever. The police have been essentially rendered nothing more than crossing guards with all due respect to crossing guards. But they, they basically have to sit back and watch as the cities burn down. Now, um, you know, the um, the bad the bad part of it is that it's not just uh, Democrats and or Republicans. Uh, they all seem to be unwilling to say no. You know, uh, I don't know if it's political cowardice. Um, or, 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 or maybe they are, uh, simpatico, you know, ideologically. You know, meanwhile, the police departments are being defunded all around the country. New York City has just knocked a billion dollars, I've said this before, I'll say it again, one billion dollars off of the police budget. Los Angeles, almost a billion. Seattle, they've cut the, the police budget in half or they propose proposed to do so. Minneapolis, they want to totally, totally defund the police department and and create a a a force of I don't know social workers or you know unarmed or non armed intervention teams. I, I don't know what the heck they're talking about, um, because in practical application, and believe me, I was there in the streets for for 28 years. I know what happens. You know when police show up on situations, you, you, the worst possible things happen, and and a bunch of unarmed you know social workers going to be the first ones to get wiped out. But, um, you know, all of these cities, we're talking about the defunding. The police are experiencing enormous increases in crime. The murder rates uh, are up in the top 50 cities by population in the nation. um, The murder rate is up on an average of 24%, um, and that's in the top 50 cities. Uh, Meanwhile, mostly, mostly, quote, this is how the the press and the media describes them, mostly peaceful protesters are laying waste of public and personal property. They're committing arsons and assaults and loot. They're looting. They're screaming bloody murder for change. Well, in my personal opinion, what they need change most of all is their diapers. Um, because many of these people running around out there have no idea what they want. And if you don't believe me, well, my lovely wife here and I used to live in Washington, D.C. And we'd uh, take our a bird, you know, Bubba, the big red macaw, down to Downtown Washington, D.C., a place called DuPont Circle, kind of a, um, a mixing bowl of um, all of the disparate uh, and diverse uh, population of Washington, D.C. We're talking about all manner of diversity, uh, a lot of which uh, was um, uh, included college students.
1: All right. It was a great place to go, people watch. We used to love to go sit down there with Bubba, and with Bubba, we would... Draw everybody, anybody, I mean, everybody into conversations. I can remember George Stephanopoulos. I can remember the, the big wigs in D.C., as well as the homeless guy who came up to us every week and brought Bubba Peanuts.
0: So, you know, and then, of course, you know, they, Washington, D.C. is like a ground center for protests. I mean, no different with uh, the ones that have been going on for the last uh, 10 weeks, but um, we would see the post-protest um, uh, crew walking through Dupont Circle with their little signs right, and all pumped be, up and happy. Right, and,
1: they'd be on their way down to a protest or their way back from a protest. But Bubba would usually draw them in, and we were usually sitting right there at the fountain, so they'd come right over and sit down and start talking to us, which is very engaging. And so we would uh, we would talk to them about the protest, like so. What 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 what
0: were you What are you protesting? Right, what are you protesting?
1: Say. And every time we'd talk about it, I mean, numerous times the comment was always. Well, I don't know what the protest is, but I know that's part of the D.C. experience, and that's why you choose to go to Georgetown or George Washington or Catholic or American or any of those universities, Howard, right there in D.C., is you got to go to the protest. We don't know what we're protesting. We're just protesting because that's part of the college experience.
0: Yeah, and later that night they get drunk and have some kind of, a you know, bacchanalia, and the next thing you know they're down at the public health department getting a well, shot. they but, didn't tell me
1: that. I don't know. You're well, kind of extrapolating from that well, something that wasn't taking, said.
0: I'm, I'm taking the liberty with that, but um, so yeah, so a lot of these people, you know, that are out here screaming and hollering and uh, you know demanding this, that, and the other, um, they have no idea what they really want. And if they think they know what they want, they really don't understand what it is um, that comes with it. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm not. I don't want to demean kids, you know, because many of these uh, protesters are human beings that have not had a lot of life to learn things. They've been taught a lot of crap, if I can say that word. Um, in school, um, a lot of it ideologically driven um, and almost always um, liberal Thought, which well, okay yes. that's fine. Well, I
1: went to one of those universities and yes, I do feel that that liberal thought was promoted.
0: Which which is fine if there was a countervailing uh, amount of conservative thought to give everyone an opportunity to decide on their own. But they're being in my opinion inculcated with a dogma, uh, you know, an orthodoxy that is uh one-sided to say the least. Uh, so um I got to cut the, a little slack and latitude for college kids and teenagers and and young adults who haven't had uh, enough life experience to kind of um, take what they've been taught or the material by which they've been indoctrinated and uh, find some perspective um, to, to...
1: Well, I can see that for a college student, 19, 20 year old, yes, it is part of the experience. You do want to, you don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily encourage them to go out there and take my stand if I was the college professor, but. To go out and be aware of the process and see what's happening and what people are doing, yeah, I think they should go out there and see what's going on. I don't think the school itself, and I don't know that this is happening, should give them a sign and say, "Here, this is the side you should take—protest for us."
0: Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know, but well, I'm not going to go there with this conversation. What, I, what I'm, <laughs> what, what I mean to say, is that it, it's, but sadly, it's not just the kids. No, it's I mean, not just the kids. We've got, more. we've got uh, several friends, uh, one of whom is a highly educated professional in washington dc and she's just she's consumed just as much of that kool-aid as the as the, the protesters
1: right yeah there are many times when she says i guess i should go down and protest i feel bad i haven't
0: yeah and she's uh and, and then we have another friend who is similarly uh you know intransigent when it comes to any uh, opposing point of view other than his own and of course you have family members uh, your brother being one of them who you know he is uh, you know sitting out there in an rv parked in the outskirts of orlando his uh, wife uh, securely ensconced in her she shed um but both of them are like i'm not going out and yeah you know, i'm staying home and uh, if you don't wear a mask you're a murderer that's what he said to right. you right
1: he will discuss things with me but i won't say it doesn't devolve to calling me a murderer if i don't have a mask on every time i walk out of the Bedroom.
0: Now, on the other hand, you have a sister up in Jacksonville, Becky, who's quite, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's a reasonable person. Right. She's, she's not, I mean, she's not, uh, you know, married to a theme and, and and cannot be divorced from it. She's an open-minded person. She's got her own opinions, but they're educated opinions. They're opinions based on, you know, actually um, having a, a point of view based on experience and, and an idea you know, an, an independent idea. And um, so I think, uh, you know, that's the contrast. You have one sibling who is, uh, you know, who's drank all the way down to the bottom of the tub of Kool-Aid. And then you have another si- uh, sibling who's like, I'm not drinking that crap,
1: right? Yeah, I'm not going there with my siblings, so go ahead.
0: <laughs> well, anyway, um, so I, I'm just saying that it's, uh, it's something that uh, cuts across... Uh, all age groups. It's not necessarily confined to the naivete of um, of the of their little children. Now, I write a Facebook uh, commentary, a political commentary. Uh, I posted one every day um, on Facebook, and yep. um, I'm going to read one I posted um, this morning. In fact, uh, about this very thing, and uh, kind of sums it up in a nutshell, although. It, not necessarily a peanut shell, it's more like a coconut shell, because I tend to be a little wordy, as you may have already uh, divined. But um, it goes something like this. Mostly peaceful protesters, the vast majority um, are members of an alphabet soup of generations long removed from greatest of them all, gather in streets nationwide making demands. Like petulant children, they throw tantrums when they don't get their way, Tantrums which manifest as rioting, looting, arson, destruction of pro- public and private property, assaults, and even murders. What do they want? Well, a picture is worth a thousand words, so take a look at the accompanying photo for the answer. Well, I'm sorry you can't see the photograph. It's, a, it's, a, it's someone holding a sign that says, I want full communism. I want social justice now. I want fairness. Okay, so that's the sign, so on from there. Alas, indoctrinated adolescents who ventured forth from their safe spaces within the ivy walls of academia or their parents' basement have no idea what they <clears throat> no idea what their fate would be were they to get what they so desperately desire for their entire scholastic lives They've been force-fed curriculum steeped in liberal orthodoxy they may have been taught the theories of socialism and communism but none of them has ever experienced a grim reality in person apparently none of them have taken a moment to consider the former soviet union or more contemporaneous examples communist china north korea cuba or venezuela in those places none of the things the tantruming children hold so dear exist the least of which is fairness first and foremost in communist countries protesters are rounded up and made to disappear. (laughs) Pardon me. Those pulling down statues get a bullet in the head. There are no cell phones, no internet, no freedom to speak, assemble, or move about the country. There's no free anything, including choice, in communist countries, as per the Communist Manifesto. It's very simple. From each according to his ability, to each according to his needs. In other words, there would be no more lying about, it's off to work, you go, and the job you're assigned. In the process, the equality and fairness social justice warriors so adamantly demand would become a reality in the form of an equality of deprivation. Everyone would be equally miserable. But there's no dissuading, mostly peaceful protesters, nor Democrats either. Liberal politicians seem intent on meeting protesters' demands. Joe Biden, well, those who operate the animatronics that move his mouth and control his vocalizations, just said he'd be the most progressive president in history. Progressivism is the gateway to socialism, and, as Vladimir Lenin once said, the goal of socialism is communism. And why not? In communist countries, politicians and apparatchiks never suffer the effects of the system, Only the lumpen proletariat suffer, which, little do they know, would include all those profoundly naive, yet ever so demanding protesters. Be careful what you wish for, it may come true, is sage advice. But mostly peaceful protesters aren't listening. They know everything and have participation trophies to prove it. I almost feel sorry for them. In their communist utopia, those trophies would be confiscated too. And so, that's pretty much, in in a large nutshell, um, the distillation of everything I was talking about in the the preceding segment of the show. And, uh, you know, it goes on and on. You know, I talked about Joe Biden, you know, the basement candidate. You know, he's uh, locked in a basement in Delaware this very minute. You know, meanwhile, uh, the rest of the world goes to work, but he can't leave the basement. Um, He's uh, the guy who wants to be your next president. Um, he's uh, continued to mumble incoherently uh, most uh, recently called a reporter um, who asked him a question um, asked him if he was taking cocaine was he a junkie um, so I guess the reasonable questions uh, only can and it was an African American reporter by the way so I guess that suggests that African Americans are prone to um, drug abuse I don't know uh, of course, nobody knows what Joe Biden thinks anymore. He recently, just yesterday, said um, that Hispanics uh, are incredibly diverse. The Hispanic community is incredibly diverse, but uh, you know, unlike, he said, unlike blacks, unlike uh, African American, unlike blacks, you know, the African American community is uh, is incredibly diverse. Now, so what is he suggesting that uh, that uh, the the African American community is indistinguishably uh, homogeneous? Uh, you know. Um, you know, I mean, that's a corollary to, hey, you know, they all look alike. Now, he didn't say that, but the insinuation is, well, you know, African Americans are just, what, they all vote the same, they all eat the same, they all look the same, I don't know. But he said that, uh, you know, the Hispanic community is diverse, but the African community, I guess, is not. Um, you know, and if 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 that's not bad enough, we're talking about, you know, the goal of socialism is communism, um... And Joe Biden said he's going to be the most progressive president in the history. Um, If that's not enough, uh, Joe Biden is considering a choice for his vice presidential candidate running mate as a a California congresswoman by the name of Karen Bass. Now, Karen Bass is an unapologetic communist sympathizer. She visited Fidel Castro many times in Cuba, which, of course, was illegal because back in that time you were not allowed to go to Cuba. Um, But she went anyway and she extolled the virtues of Castro and his government. Uh, meanwhile, her mentor recently died, uh, a gentleman by the name of O'Neill Marion Cannon, uh, and she eulogized him on the House of Representatives floor. In fact, her eulogy appears in the, um, in the congressional record. So this isn't like she said it on a speech somewhere in a, in, you know, in a community center. She said it on the floor of the House of Representatives, and it's forever a part of history. She eulogized her mentor, who was the Neil Marion Cannon, who was um a long time head of quote, the Communist Party of America, the organization, the Communist Party USA. And that's not very uh, uh that's not a very ambiguous uh you know organization. So that's who Joe Biden has on his list. The very fact that that person is on his list should tell you everything you need to know about Joe Biden and his political point of view, assuming he has a point of view about anything, because it's becoming more and more clear to me, in my opinion, but not just me, a whole lot of other people, including Democrats and the media, that Joe Biden is no longer there. That Joe Biden, you know, you notice Joe Biden very rarely says anything. A spokesperson for Joe Biden says something. Um, and when they trot him out, you know, they they toss him in the back of the family truckster and they haul him, you know, a couple of miles away to a community center somewhere or, or you know, they put him up on some kind of a, uh, you know, internet uh, connection which lasts about three minutes. Um, he 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 can't get through a sentence without saying something that does not comport with reality or is so troubling that you have to ask yourself, where exactly did Joe Biden go because he's not the guy he used to be which is not un, um not an impossibility because he's 70 almost 78 years old now you know I'm not there yet but I'm heading that direction um and he's um and I have a lot of friends who are in that age group and even younger who have um are suffering from the effects of dementia I mean, it's not a a pejorative to say, you know, I mean, you have a heart condition, you have, you know, you have a kidney condition, you have a a, a cognitive condition. Um, And dementia is, sadly, a natural part of the aging process. And sometimes it comes on in a hurry, you know, with a bang. And, uh, you know, the Joe Biden of yesterday is not the Joe Biden of today. And if you want someone who is non-composimentous, and of course, that's just a, 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 a an opinion. You know, that's not an official diagnosis. It would be inappropriate to make a diagnosis from afar. But you can certainly infer things from from a person's uh, you know um, behavior. And in my opinion, he's not—he's no longer the Joe Biden he was before. Um, and it's uh, and it's pretty sad, you know. I mean, it's like elder abuse, in my opinion, you know you got this guy who, you know, he never knows where he is. Uh, they're probably, uh, you know, spoon-feeding him, paddling him in the basement. And, um, you know, they push him up there in front of a computer screen. They give him a little script to read off of. If you ever look at Joe Biden these days, he looks like a deer in the headlights. He's got that wide-eyed look like, what am I doing? Where am I? What am I thinking? What do I know? And, <clears throat> you know, he's um, he can still read, so that's why he's in front of a, a teleprompter. But frankly, it's not particularly pretty. And of course, all of these things are my opinion, folks. You know, this whole show is predicated on um, the talk radio format that um, these are opinions. This isn't a hard news show. I'm not reporting the news. I'm just, uh, you know, bringing people in with opinions. And, um, you know, you've seen people who have uh, suffered from dementia. I mean, our good friend Thurston being one of them.
1: Sure, yeah. My dad had some at the end there.
0: Now, when, once again, this is your opinion, but when you look at Joe Biden, the pictures of him, recent, I mean, like as of today, you know, the contemporaneous uh, video of Joe Biden and in, 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 in the still photographs of Joe Biden, when you look into his eyes, what do you see? Well,
1: I, his eyes, there's no light in his eyes. I don't see the light in his eyes. There's fear in his eyes. Yeah. Yeah,
0: the same kind of fear that these the folks with dementia and Alzheimer's have. Right. Because, like your mother, right? Right, yeah. they're scared because right. they they can't connect with anything. Mm-hmm. They're like adrift, they're like mm-hmm. yeah. So a- anyway, um, well, we got a few minutes left, you know. So I want to throw in uh, you know on a bright side thing. And I guess the bright side is you're going back to school. Yeah,
1: I'm excited about that. The summer
0: of Gone is over. Explain yourself. How get out of the house?
1: <laughs> well, I teach children, a lot of children, I have one of their special needs is speech and language, and they can't make all their speech sounds, and my name is Joan. And uh, I, uh, way back when in the 80s, I had a student, Stacy, I'd love to know what happened to her, um, used to call me Gone, and she'd be like, hey, Gone, hey, Gone. And she'd do all these things, and you Just loved that. And so every summer you call it the summer of Gone, like on Seinfeld, the summer of George. And you know, like I at the halfway point it's like, oh, we go uphill and then we go downhill and you remind me every time that no, it's just downhill all the way. You start off with however many days it is and it's every day you're counting down. I always notice the halfway mark and then realize I'm on the downhill side, but you you always remind me it's downhill all the way. So
0: now this is your last weekend, uh, you know, before you go back to school. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can tell you, folks, uh, it's not... She, she is not sitting around lamenting this fact. She's really anxious to get back to school. You know, she... Uh, they closed schools here in Volusia County when back in when March ninth or tenth. Right, so you haven't been Spring in the classroom except to go and get some materials. Yeah, you haven't. Had well, I'm not allowed classroom. in the classroom. I haven't right. been allowed in the classroom, so I haven't
1: been. I haven't been around the kids. No. Right. So
0: you haven't. I've had never it.
1: been five months, six months without the children. So I'm. I'm eager to be back with them.
0: Well, that doesn't bode well for your uh, impending retirement because you have more, what two more years after this one?
1: I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Let's see, see how long I can take being in the house with you. Let's say five months. We well, you've life. had a
0: pretty good stretch of it now. So, yeah. uh, what's your take on it?
1: Uh, a couple years, we'll see. No, no,
0: but I mean, you've had a stretch of time uh, with me longer than you have
1: Usually. in the last
0: thirty-seven years, straight, really.
1: Straight, yeah. yeah. So,
0: well, what's your take on your, uh, you know, your, um, your, you might. In other words, you might teach until you drop,
1: Well, I've got an IEP in mind for you. I have lots of goals and objectives in my head, which you need to work on. But, you know, I think I need to reevaluate, you know. Did I
0: accomplish any of them this summer? Not
1: a single one. Yeah,
0: I thought so. Although we
1: got a lot of stuff done on the House in this five months, so I'm happy about that.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. Well, you know, hopefully everyone else out there has a similar upbeat sense of it. I mean, we're in the middle of a, a presidential election. That's never a pretty sight. And then, of course, all of this other stuff going on with the civil unrest. Notwithstanding the coronavirus, it's been this perfect storm of horrible things that have happened this year, um, and uh, you know, out of it, out of every you know dark cloud, of silver lining, and all of those platitudes. But you know, the American people are, are are an upbeat group as a as a unit, and and uh, unit being the operative term, unity and get together, and let's uh, let's get through this, get over it, and come out the other side better than we were before, which would require you to get off of your sofa, get out of your house. Meet new people, make new friends, be part of the solution, quit complaining about the problem. Um, When it's a good weekend to try that, and watch you out there. Be safe, be happy, and be kind, and I'll see you next time on The Coffee.